Yo, what's happening with what's happening? Welcome to What's Happening. I'm Brad. I'm Fred. It's a show we talk about what's happening. What's happening with you, bro? Not much. Chilling. Just been watching games all day from my kids' little league to college games on the on the screen. It's been what it is. Basketball day. Oh man, I love that. Love love basketball any day. I uh, I've been working. All the live all day. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, I was, I was a little tired, but, um, you know, we got stuff to talk about, right? And um, we're just going to go ahead and hop into it. You know, we're watching basketball, and now it's time to talk about some good old-fashioned American football. So, y'all know what it is. At least I believe you should know what it is. Brian Flores, former coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, he is suing the NFL. He is suing the New York Giants. He is suing the Miami Dolphins. He is suing the Denver Broncos. He is suing your mama. He is suing your daddy. He is suing any and everybody. Um, and he's calling the NFL out on their hiring pra- uh, practices. Um He's ready to expose the league, essentially, is uh is what's going on. And you know, I've been doing a lot of reading on this. Um it's been coming across the you know the, the Twitter timelines and, and things of that nature. And um, you know, we we kind of had a, a semi-plan to go into this week's episode, but after I saw that, I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> this is gonna have to be the one right here. This is gonna have to be the one right here. So um Man, I know you did some. Uh, I know you did some research on the two, Fred. What was your takeaways? What did you? I don't want to say takeaway, but you know, you know, how are you feeling about the situation right now? Man, um, it, it's hard to say. Like, it's no, it's not. It's because <laughs> it football is one of those sports that you kind of you know suspect it. And I I would say the thing about I I say this is football been getting hit lately with with a lot of you know borderline not even borderline like just all the way blatant racist stuff you know what I'm saying so it's this is becoming you know what I'm saying almost a, a norm you know so at, at some point you know can't pay five people to tell the same lie you know so at some point you know you gotta realize that there's something going on you know what i'm saying and it's and it's pretty big across the board it ain't just dealing with players it ain't just you know what i'm saying like inside the the front office and, and whatnot it, it's it's across the board the owners you know what i'm saying all the way down and you know to me i feel like um what's his name uh on the clippers he would fit better (laughs) yeah he he would fit better in this league you know what i'm saying like they they would accept him with open arms this is this is is where we're at (laughs) like so, you know, um, so I, I would have to say, you know, for this, is it's not, it's not mind-boggling, but it's, you know, at this point, you know, I'm willing to see what are they going to do about it. Yeah, I get these people on their teams. Yeah, you know, I get, you know, trying to tell them who to hire and who to take on and whatnot, but, you know, it's, it's starting to get in even bigger, you know, to some, some other discussions. Like I seen in the article as well that, you know, um, Hugh Jackson said, I believe it was Hugh Jackson said mm-hmm. that, you know, there's some backdoor meetings and different things that's going on that shouldn't be going on, you know, 
it and he's seen it because you know no he's recanted i guess the statement of saying that he was getting paid to lose games but also said that the proof is in the pudding you know which the biggest statement i took is he said you know the way it go is you hire a coach to win you know and if you hiring a coach to win after two seasons a coach went one in 31 who extends their contract you know and hugh jackson said he got uh, his contract extended and he was one in 31 as a head coach so that should tell you you know just in a, in a small sense right there that losing is incentivized some places you know, so it, it might not just be, you know, in the form of where Brian, Brian Flores was getting $100,000 uh, a loss, you know what I'm saying, per losses, you know, but it's also, it, it's also kind of rigging it too, where, you know, you're getting these first round draft picks. So, you know, that's, that's money later, you know, somebody gonna want them after, you know, they sit around, but also, you know what I'm saying, that's your, you ruin some folks' careers. You out here tanking games. I mean, sorry, your Detroit Lions, but you out here tanking games. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You you getting all these these top draft picks that could have been going somewhere and actually having a successful career season. So so now it kinda makes you wonder how much, you know what I'm saying, of one player's potential that you might not ever seen. You know. Now it, it makes it look like, you know, throwing it to Odell Beckham Jr. puts us in a chance to, to compete. Let's not do that. So is Baker really a bad QB? He might have a chance to replete his case and still stay. I'm not a bad QB. They just want me to not to hit the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just saying you know, Baker, yeah. if you hit, you better run with it. <laughs> Go somewhere and he might be in the Super Bowl next. You never know. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. <it hurt>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but at, at that point, I mean, I'm just saying. And then at this point, you know, what is it for then if you're not trying to have all teams out there be competitive? Yeah, you, you know, you got some players going hard and being competitive because they don't understand just yet all the inner workings of what's going on and how, you know what I'm saying, their game and how they play is being dictated. You know, like yeah. I, I think that just it opens up so many different cans, you know what I'm saying, of worms like it because, you know, it, it can go into – just as as deep as looking at like you know all right the reason brian flores even knew about this whole situation is because of bill belichick yeah you know what i'm saying so he, to get to give that story uh if y'all don't know what started this uh i guess what what kind of propelled or or or, or made uh, uh brian flores want to go ahead and go forward with the lawsuit is he gets a text from Bill Belichick. Now, he used to be an assistant on Bill Belichick's staff. And he gets a text from Bill Belichick saying, hey, heard you he got knows. it. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, my guy. He ain't even interviewed you. And he's like, I got it? I, I I ain't even interviewed for it yet. It's like, yeah, man, I heard they want you. He goes, all right, you know you're talking to Brian Flores and not Brian Daybowl or however his last name is pronounced. Oh. My, My bad, bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're a good candidate, though. You know what I'm saying? But my bad. It ain't going to be you. Man. But here, here's going to be the, the, the twist to that. I, I heard it on um, Yahoo Sports. They had a little uh, podcast or whatever, a, a little short take on it I was listening to. And they said, you know, what if, 
yeah, they may have wanted, you know, Brian D, just so I don't butcher the name. <laughs> but um, what if there was a chance on the table for Brian Flores? You know, but now that he knows this information, he doesn't go in as strong and interview, you know, with his A game because he feel defeated walking in prior to. Mm. You know what I mean? So that can open up a, a tampering with with uh, the interviewee if they want to make something to that nature. Because on, on Bill Belichick, you know what I'm saying, you could have just botched this guy whole interview by prematurely making him think he didn't have it when maybe Bill Belichick never knew all along. Which I, I'm highly doubting that's the case. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if he did know, like he knew, you know what I'm saying? That brings a, a whole nother aspect of things for one. As far as, you know, asking Bill Belichick as a, you know, from a reference standpoint about the two guys, I get it. But to have an all-out influence on a hiring for another organization, that's the issue. But here's why I say that's the issue. I say that's the issue because if you look up, I didn't look up all of them, but I, I looked up at a, of, at a few real quick just to see if there was a difference before I, I made this point. But Bill Belichick is a general manager. But he's a head coach. Everybody else a head coach. In the league. You know what I'm saying? There might be another head coach slash general manager, but I don't really know of any. So what that does is put Bill Belichick not only on the field coaching, but puts him in meetings that other head coaches don't get to be a part of, where a head coach shouldn't be. Because if you want a head coach to influence the people we're bringing in, that's easy to do. You go to the head coach, say, hey, have you caught any of the games you got? What are the scouts are saying to you? Who do you think fit, you know, your scenario? Who do you think is going to be a real baller? Those are easy questions to ask, you know what I'm saying, in a, in a one-on-one conference or a, a group conference within your organization. But – being a general manager is putting Bill Belichick knowing in who's on the trade block before time, who's not, you know what I mean, who's getting positions as head coaches, who isn't. You know what I mean? Now he he has inside, he basically has inside trading information. I don't care how you slice it. That that face right there says you a government employee right there. You, <laughs> you must work work somewhere over there in DC or something, huh? You you make all your money from stocks and bonds off of a forty thousand dollar a year salary, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because for two reasons. One, we ain't had a whole lot of disagreements lately. We just been we've been kind of on, on the same stride. So we gonna disagree a little bit on this one. That's fine. I'm laughing on that side, but I'm also laughing because typically you take an opinion that most leans towards a conservative opinion, and I'm always more of a progressive opinion. And we flip it on that. Cause you taking the progressive opinion, and I'm gonna take the conservative opinion. And not so much the opinion. All right, let me just go ahead and say what I, what I want to say about this. I absolutely believe that there is a history of systemic racism in the NFL. 
And I don't think that he got the mojo to prove that in this joint right here. Let me he he doesn't. Okay. He he, he doesn't. He's gonna need more coaches to come out to help prove this. So something that kind of stuff that, that stands out to me is something that we cannot forget is that the league is is a partnership of 32 teams. Each one of these 32 teams is its own business. We kind of had this conversation on our first episode. We talked about how, like, the Phoenix Suns are their own team, so on and so forth, right? So the New England Patriots are their own team. The Miami Dolphins are their own team. They are their own um, private corporations is what they are, right? They have presidents, general managers, human resources, assistant general managers, marketing teams, all of that, right? Here's what I'm saying about this. If they are businesses, how is that any different from why do they have to operate from separate rules as the other businesses? What I'm saying is, is that I don't work for Walmart. But if Walmart were to come, were to call me and say, hey, we'd like your opinion on these two individuals that just so happened to be, that just happened to work with you, we would just say that, that was just, they were just looking for a reference, right? So come on. I, I want you to cross, <laughs> cross that line. Let's go. Let's go. How unless there are bylaws written, right? If there's bylaws written that says that you know Bill Belichick can't do this type of stuff, it just is what it is, right? But what I'm saying is. What if, assuming there's no bylaws written that says that Bill Belichick can't interact from a point of reference standpoint, if you call it, first off, like, let's just call it what it is. Bill Belichick got six Super Bowl rings, right? If anybody's going to be respected in terms of the opinion of a coach and who's ready, it's him. More so than any other coach in the NFL today, like that man's word is gold, right? And I say that coming from like as someone who has been in that position where you go to and, and you come to me and you say, All right, we're thinking about you know promoting this person, we're thinking about putting this person in this position. And like they would come to me, and what I would say would be nine times out of ten, the direction that we would move. So, assuming that there's no laws written on paper, there's no rules written on paper set in stone that says that he can't give his recommendation, he can give his recommendation. Is it unprofessional for him to say, hey, I heard you got the job, homie, and then for him to slip and send the wrong text to the wrong person? That's, that's, that's unprofessional. Outside of unprofessionalism, I don't know that Flores has much beyond that. Am I am I making sense? No, you're making plenty sense. But here's my <laughs> if if you know I was just a decent employee and you wouldn't hire me um, again unless it was like dire need of an employee or something. You're not allowed to say anything negative when somebody calls you for a reference. If I'm not mistaken, it's against the law to badmouth another employee or what have you. You know what I mean? So, therefore, now here, here's the catch 22 side of that. I will give this. How would you know that person badmouthed you? It's mm -hmm. going to be a hard thing to prove. But if it can be proven, you have yourself a suit. You know what I mean? Because it, it, in the same token, it could be like, okay, I, this employee was an outstanding employee. I really don't want him to go nowhere. He's still working for me. So if the person that he's trying to go to that could better his life or his career 
is calling for a reference while he's still working there and you bad him just so you could keep him, you know what I'm saying? That would be hindering him. And you know what I'm saying? That would basically put you in a, a, a legal liability. So that's why in the same sense, if like I'm not working for you or I am working for you, if somebody call you for a reference, you can't, you know what I'm saying? Say, oh, you know, he's a horrible employee or I wouldn't hire him again or, you know, he has some bad practices or whatever. You can only speak good of him or you can basically decline the comment. So I got to, well, I don't know. We got to look into that and see exactly what that means. But also, like, we don't know that Belichick said anything bad about Flores. What if Belichick said glowing things about Brian D? Right. I mean, I'm not saying he, he didn't say it. I was just I was just throwing that devil's advocate out there that, you know, basically asking, you know what I'm saying, more than a reference. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, if you're asking about two people that came from you, two of the same people that came from you, essentially you're gonna have to up one more than the other. It's just naturally going to happen. You're not going to say they're both the exact same candidate. They're both great. You know what I'm saying? Because one of them is going to have some strong points that the other one doesn't. Mm -hmm. And same and vice versa. You, you know what I'm saying? So with that being the case, even if you're asking for a reference, if you're asking for two people, you're going to have to, I'm not saying down the other one, but you're going to have to make one look better than the other one. It's going to be very hard to stay yeah. very biased in that situation. You, you're not going to tell me you're going to stay strictly biased in a situation where both candidates came from working from you for for you. Yeah, no, I can definitely see. I think it's about how the question is framed, right? So, if you were to call me, let's say you're hiring somebody, and you want a referral, if you were to say tell me about so-and-so i would tell you about so-and-so that's a different thing from saying you should tell me about or hey i'm looking at these two you know candidates tell me what you think about both of them right and then that gives me the opportunity to say this 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 versus this 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 that is what opens up to me it depends on First off, we're, we're we're at this point we're making an assumption that Belichick was asked to give you know a point of reference about one or both candidates and that he took the lead in that, and we're assuming that I'm saying we're assuming because we don't actually know these things at all. We're assuming that he gave a glowing uh, review of Brian D and or they were just like. He just got the he just got the heads up that you know Brian D was gonna get the uh was gonna get the call and was just texting Brian in advance. Now here and and again this is where like I'm being I'm being a conservative today. All right, you being full of shit today? <laughs> no, nah, bro, because you bro, can't prove it. Here's the, here's the bottom line: you may not be able to prove it, but. Once again, two people, okay, two people came, you know what I'm saying, from my establishment. They're coming to your establishment. You going to call me about one and not the other? If I like one more than the other, I might call you about one. How, how do you know? You Remember, you haven't seen the other yet. He's finding oh. this information out before he went. <laughs> you, get, you get where I'm coming from now. <laughs> now. Now, wait a minute. Okay. All right, so let me say this part. <laughs> because sometimes you might have your pick picked out before your pick gets picked, if that makes sense. When you are in a position of leadership and you're constantly having to... If you're a good leader in a position of leadership, you are always thinking ahead. You know, when this next guy... 
moves out the way, who's next up, right? So I always, in, in my previous role, I always was looking to have somebody on my bench, right? I had my store managers, had assistant managers, and I ideally always want to have one or two people, like whether they were assistant managers or just very good sales reps, I always want to have somebody ready to go, right? Ready to take that next step. Sometimes if you have somebody and you're ready to take that next step, you just kind of go with your gut. And it just kind of is what it is at that point. Perfect example. I think we shared the story on the pod. I don't know if it was on the pod or just me and you. The the full-time position I have right now, my boss had somebody else picked out. She had somebody else picked out before she even met me, before she saw me. She had no opportunity to know that I was black or anything like that. She could reasonably assume that I was a male because the name across the application said Bradley. But like she knew nothing about me, but she had interviewed a guy, liked him, and said, I'm going to interview this guy anyway. Now, she she had genuine intent in that interview, and I rocked her damn socks off. And because I rocked her socks off, it it, it 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 made her have to think about it. And I think we shared the story. She ultimately did choose the other person. That other person didn't work out. I got the job anyway. Hell, let's let's call let's call a spade a spade. Let's look at what it is. You pick somebody else before me. I didn't have a choice in that matter. You know what I'm saying? Their resume has spoke, and my boss said. You know what I'm saying? Go with the higher resume. Right. So that's where that stood. But <laughs> at the same time, I still, just like your boss, just like I did, I still interviewed both candidates before a decision was finally made. That's true. That's true. The, there they was did no not. Well, no, no, no. But see, with my boss, her mind and her heart was made up. She wanted the other guy. She interviewed me with genuine intent, but she wanted the other guy. And like, and what I'm saying is, is that like, but, when but, you're in, go ahead. But did you know she wanted the other guy before you interviewed? I did not. So therefore, this is still apples to oranges. Because before he interviewed, he knew they wanted the other guy. Do you know how hard it could you sit in front of her and interview the same, knowing she wants the other guy? You know what I mean? That's like that's like me saying, like, okay, she set up a date. But in case that date didn't show, she had you lined up to come right in so she didn't look like she was there by herself. If you knew that she had you lined up as a backup, would you show up? I'm saying in a dating scenario. In an interview scenario, would you interview the same knowing that the person she interviewed before you essentially has the job? I don't think you could. I want to say I could. I could. I, I want to say I could. And I can see I can see your point where you're saying most people couldn't. That's fair. You, so, you know what I'm saying? Like I and I mean I could see I don't think you can interview the same. I, I know you want to say you can. I think you could try to give it, you know what I'm saying, the same, but I don't think you're gonna have that that same dynamic and drive that you would have had coming in, you know what I mean? You're going to be kind of a little more laid back because, you know, you know what I'm saying? She wants the other person where you may come in a little more nervous, upbeat, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, giving that nice, genuine, good personality to where you might be a little more lax, like, you know, hey, how are you? You know, okay, just go through the motions. I'm still going to give you everything and who I am, but it's not going to have that same energy. See, and I guess that's where I say, like, I could, because I feel like I feel like I punch harder when I'm an underdog. Like, oh, you don't believe in me? You don't know who I is? All right. 
bet. Watch this. And I say that because, like, I know that I have interviewed for positions that I was underqualified for. And I went in there and said, nah, put some motherfucking respect on my name. Like, I know I've gone in and done that. But that's why I'm saying, like, I know who I am. To your point, most people, you probably couldn't get that done. So I get it. I, I, I get it. I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah. But that's, how, that's all I'm saying is they they making it hard for him. And if he felt defeated going into it, well, well, here's the thing. Here, here, here's the other part that you you gotta understand. You're navigating in an area that's had 500 coaches. Whew, go ahead and drop that number. Go ahead and drop that number. And only 24 of them look like you. So to, to be clear, y'all, what what Fred is saying is, is that um over its 100, it's 100 plus year history, I think we're at year number 102. In the NFL's 100 year history, there have been 500 head coaches NFL head coaches and of the 500 only 24 percent 24 not 24 percent. I'm sorry whoa I'm sorry only 24 have been black all time 500 head coaches so we're talking half of one percent and the first one wasn't even hired until 89 from my understanding so 1989 would have been year number 70. There were people who, if that's year, if my math is correct, then that's year number 70. That would mean that there were people who were born, played, and died and never saw an NFL head coach. Obviously, the, the, I'm talking about people who were able to live, you know, 60 plus years and never saw a black NFL head coach. And, you know, for me, that's just something that is ridiculous. Um, and the reason why it's so ridiculous is that there are. What was that percentage? Seventy percent of the players in the NFL are black. Is that is that correct? It might be. Um, I ain't a hundred percent sure. Don't quote me. And then right now, uh, Mike Tomlin, I think that's his name. The, head coach the of, only, yeah, uh, the head coach of the uh, almost said Philadelphia Steelers, <laughs> the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. He is the only. Um, Active African American head coach. And here's and the thing. I, Go ahead. As of 2020, um, approximately 57.5 percent of the NFL teams uh, are made up of African American or black athletes. So it's 57.5. Oh, I think it's 70 percent of minorities. I think that's what it is. But the 57 is exclusively you know, African American. Not exclusively, but. 20, 24.9% is white. Yeah. So, yeah, 70, about 70.1 is black and, you know, Hispanic or whatnot. Uh, so. And, like, I'm not a person that believes that... I'm not a person that believes that you have to have you have to force it to make sure that there's black coaches, right? And 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 I'm not a person that believes that somebody should get the job just because they're black or just because they're a woman. But real quick, bro. I just ahead. tapped on another link. In 2020, black or African American players made up approximately 57. Point 5% of NFL teams. The average number of black players in the National Football League is approximately 70% June 2nd of 2021. Okay. 
So in one year, it increased by 12.5%. Hmm. You know, this you know, this might be somebody's this gonna make somebody mad. It just is what it is. It's indicative of slave mentality. We see the same thing in the NBA too. The NBA ain't exempt. It's mostly white head coaches there, and it's mostly black players there. But it's indicative of that slave mentality wherein the black people, the black bodies are good to do the work, right? The black bodies were the ones that were good for, you know, that manual labor, that cotton picking, right? But, you know, not for anything else, right? Um, <laughs> they weren't human, right? Um, or three-fifths of a person, right? Um, and now you see it in football or you see it in professional sports and where, you know, oh, the black people can can play. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get LeBron. Let's. Let's figure out, you know, max contracts for these guys and, and you know, let, let's trade them around. <laughs> um, but, you I know, mean, when... it, it, that's all it became was a modern day slavery. Like, when the only difference is we can't see now, the actual auction. Somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, it's slavery. LeBron James makes $35 million a year. I'm sure LeBron feels like a slave. And I say to you, shut the fuck up. Because obviously. <laughs> now listen, Steve Harvey once said in one of his comedies, he was uh, interviewing Michael Cloud Duncan. Duncan. And... <laughs> I know this joint. I know this joint. Go ahead. Hey, and, and you know, basically, he was doing the remake of the Planet of the Apes. He said, and basically, he was getting all these messages like, "Steve, you gotta talk to him. They, he gonna set us back four hundred years. All this and that." And he like, "Look, this a big fella to be trying to tell anything to y'all. Ain't the ones in here." So he said, the only thing he could think of was the accent, you know. So how much are you making for the classic remake of the Planet of the Apes? And Michael Claude Dunn said, well, how you going to tell nobody this, but I'm going to make $10 million. <laughs> And Steve Harvey said, well, shit, for $10 million, I'm going to come in that motherfucker with my ass painted pink, <laughs> climbing on top of tables with a bunch of bananas. He said, they be like, Steve, he's going to be like, my name's Chiquita. <laughs> hey but so i mean i get their point you know what i'm saying i i do you know what i'm saying but at the same time no it's the way you go about it because at, at the end of the day they're paid that because it's not because of the owners or what have you it's because of us we the people who have put the notoriety on it that this is what we want, this is what we want to see, and this is what we're willing to pay for it. Because if we treated these sports like we treat the WNBA, they wouldn't get paid that much. Ooh, that's ooh, another that's episode, another I know. Ooh, ooh, that's another episode. <laughs> but um, I'm just saying and the part that pisses me off with that mentality, and we're kind of off topic at this point, is that they pretend like that's not work. Like, oh, they just so happen to be lucky enough to be chosen. You don't think a guy like LeBron James or Michael Jordan or – no, you'll think a guy like Tom Brady had to work hard. Yeah, I'm going to go after that one. You'll think that Tom Brady had to work hard to get everything that he got but LeBron James was just lucky because he got tall. <laughs> I know plenty of tall, goofy, lanky. You know what? Let me not even go there. Hey. You know what? No, let me go there. <laughs> so, mm. hey, listen. It. 
I, I get exactly what you're saying, though. And, and truthfully, you know, it it really is harder work to be these people. Right. To put in the countless time and the hours. You know, it it really is a, a sun up to sun down mission. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It, it takes a different type of dedication to achieve this. You know, and, and we'll like respect. It seems as though when you're black, and 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 I guess I'm fighting for athletes at this point too. When you're black and you're an athlete. You're just, oh, we absolutely expect you to think. Hey, one of my favorite shows is The Office, right? And there's this hilarious moment in The Office. And um, The Office is meant to be a a caricature of people. So they knew what they were doing when they're making a joke. But there's an episode in the first season of The Office where the office workers are going to play a game of basketball against the warehouse workers. And it's uh, and Michael, who's white, if you watch the show, you know, Michael Scott, he's played by Steve Carell. He's picking his team, and he goes, and he says, Stanley, obviously, because Stanley is the black guy in the office. The joke is is that he's assuming that Stanley's black, so he must know how to play basketball. And as it turns out, Stanley is absolutely terrible at the joke, right? So, But the point is is that, again, it's a caricature of how how we act and how we think, right? It's Mm -hmm. he's black. Basketball players are mostly black. Obviously, one plus one equals two. If you are black, you are good at basketball. And, like, it's just not always the case. More often than not, it's actually not the case. Um, and, and and so it, it really seems as though, like, if you're black, again, it's that slave mentality that I mentioned earlier. Oh, you can go out there and do it. No problem. You don't feel pain. I mean, hell. We t- we we're, we're talking about our women, right? Black women. I forget the number, uh, but I think the number is black women are three or two or three times more likely to die in labor than uh, white women when when they're having a, a baby because the doctors don't respect like their pain. Like, oh, they're just being dramatic because that's just how black people are. No, that woman's actually in pain. So. The point that I'm making is, is that black people are just, you're able to just do, you're able to just do. But when it comes to coaching, creating, cultivating, leading, motivating, mm, we need somebody else to do that, right? You know who, you know who's the head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Rams? Sean McVay. You know how old Sean McVay is? 30... 35, my age. I mean, I knew I'd say my age, but I, I do somewhere in there, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But, like... I, I already know what you're saying. Like, <laughs> you will never... You will, You can for fucking get about it. <laughs> Straight up. You will never see a young black African-American head coach in the NFL, I don't even know what Sean McVay did. I, I don't know where it came from. None of that. I ain't even going to pretend. Be like a genius. I mean, and listen, dude, I'm not like even coming at, at dude like that. I would assume he is a great football coach. He's going to his second Super Bowl in four years. Yeah, no, I, I'm not taking anything from him. Chances of Dion probably couldn't have did that shit at, at 35. Or could like, he? And we just didn't know because he was a player. I, I'm just saying, I the chances of us seeing because it would have to be somebody at that caliber. Oh, you're saying? I thought you were saying Dion didn't have the ability. You're saying he wouldn't have had the opportunity. You're saying not even he, the great Dion Sanders. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Like Dion's making a name now. They're just now saying like, oh yeah, you know, Dion could come and coach. In the NFL, no problem. Like, and, and very few people are saying it, but they're saying it now. Like, mm-hmm. but that's because of what he's been doing. You know what I'm saying? Of lately, and it really ain't start getting a whole bunch of light until he got to Jackson State. Like it, I, you know what I'm saying? Like for real. Yeah. So, 
you know, I don't know if Sean McVay played. I don't know if he been sitting under a rock with, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. But he's a great coach. I'm not taking anything from him there. Yeah. We're not Unless, trying to slander Sean McVay. You, you know what I'm saying? But all we is making a statement that it'll be another 70 years before you see a, <laughs> <laughs> before you ever see a young African-American male, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know how you climb the ropes that fast. But you can't even become a, a NBA or NFL referee that damn fast. You got to have 24 to 25 years of refereeing under your belt at each level, you know what I'm saying, levels. Like, they they literally start you off, you do freshman and under games. After, like, two years, you go back, you know what I'm saying, do your class, and then you can do JV, you know what I'm saying, and under. And then after that year, I think you can recertify and do varsity. And then you do varsity for so many years. And if I'm not mistaken, you get called up to the college level. You know what I mean? Like, you, you got to have at least 10, 15 years of, under your belt before you get some chances at the college level. Mm. 20, 25 years. And I, I'm making that point to say the chances of, you know what I'm saying, because there's no real certain age, but there is because you can only referee, if I'm not mistaken, you, you can only ref um, the grade level under you, you know what I'm saying, and below. Because you can get it as a teenager, you know what I'm saying, like 16, 17, you know, back to last episode, you need a side hustle, go referee. But, you know what I'm saying, you, you can literally, you can you can start refereeing at like 16 or whatever. Still 24 years from there, you're going to be 40. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so, like I, I mean, I ain't saying you got to have that many years to prove, you know, you can coach or referee or whatever the case may be. Right. But he, he is a, a, a one-off situation, you know what I'm saying? far as Sean McVay go, but yeah, you, you won't see a, a black head coach at that age, you know what I'm saying, uh, probably ever in, in this sport. I, I mean, just saying. Yeah. Um, man, so to, to pull it all the way back to Brian Flores, yeah, I think where, where you and I did agree is, is that, you know, based off everything that I read, bro, We'll see what comes out. You know, the court of law is the court of law. You know, it. You, the court of law isn't based on the truth. It's based off what can be proven. Um, he gonna need he gonna need more people to come out. And I'm gonna say this. You know, y'all share it maybe to get to Brian. You know, who knows? But bruh, you gonna need anybody and everybody that's black that apply for a head coach position that didn't receive it, you know, that maybe had a valid statement of having a chance come out and, and support you on this. And then if you got some who is or have been head coaches, you know, you're gonna you're gonna need that support. And if it's any of those, you know, OCs, DCs. Uh, specific spe uh, positions coach that maybe been trying to move up and, and ain't getting no leeway, you know, it, it'll be just as good, you know. It, it'll show how hard it is for uh, a Black African-American to move up in the ranks, become a head coach, you know, because it, I'm pretty sure it don't start just right here. I'm pretty sure you got some offense coordinators, defense coordinators, positions coaches trying to get to that, maybe OCDC, you know, somewhere at that level so they can try to move up or become a head coach eventually and might not even be getting no love in that area. So. And I need to go ahead and say this. If this is determined, let me say this differently. <laughs> 
any racism that is found to be proven here, no, that's not even how I want to say it. You ain't gonna find like no overt racism. You're not gonna find. I mean, you, you shouldn't find you know any uses of the N word with the hard ER and you know I'm never gonna hire a black coach. Black people can't lead people. You know we're, we're probably not dealing with a Robert Sarver type of situation here. Like what we're probably dealing with more so than anything else is the same thing that we've been telling y'all for decades. This is systemic racism, institutional racism. More so, if there is going to be some sort of racism, that's what it's going to be. It's not going to be the overt, I hate black people, I want white people to die, they need to leave and, and go back to where they came from, even though we were brought here in the first place. It ain't going to be that. What Any racism that we're going to find here is going to be just built-in institutional systemic racism that some people listen to this might even be guilty of, and you don't even necessarily realize it. You, you go for, for who you know, you go for what feels better, right? And so while I don't necessarily see a path for, for Flores to prove racism at all, anything that he's going to find is going to be systemic. And if the system is racist, then the system works against him. If it works within the system, you lose the case. Am, am I making sense? Yeah, I agree with you. So, I don't have high hopes for the brother <laughs> at all. Um, I can look at some, the, like I said, looking at the stuff that I saw, I see perfectly legal excuses that can be that can be pulled out from it. I, I'm not going to say... You know, I don't want it to sound like we after, you know, racism or whatnot. You know, I, we, we would love for it not to be any racism. But I'm not going to say, you know, I don't have high hopes for the brother because what I want is I just want the truth to come out of it so that way moving forward the changes could be made, not, you know, the bullshit statement that Roger Goodell made, you know what I'm saying, about looking into their policies and changing it and all that, because that's just a, you know, that's that first response statement that, that you're told to make to the media, you know, the, uh, Hugh Jackson said he didn't took it to Roger Goodell, you know what I'm saying, when he was coaching for the Browns and showing them how, you know what I'm saying, they was doing and how he felt like they was tanking and doing, you know, intentionally. But, you know, they use it as, oh, he has a losing record. You know, he's just mad. He's upset. And, and you start oh. to see see that more and more, you know, where they where they try to use those different things against, you know, brothers of color to, to help silence them or try to make them look like they're the ones tripping because they're not following the game plan they got set out. You know, so I, I want the truth, you know, and I, I want the change, you know, to reflect the truth and, and give more opportunities if it's true that the opportunities aren't there, which I I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. 24 out of 500, less than 5%, you, you got to be kidding me. There there got to be more opportunities there. So to, to, to the point about, like, giving folks a chance, so I think Brian Forrest took the job in 2019. Mm -hmm. That season, Miami finished 5-11. and 11. Then in 2020, the next season, they finished 10 and 6. They got better. Yeah. And then this year, they finished 9 and 8. So their percentage did go down. But him having a losing record over three seasons, 5 plus 10 plus 9 is 24. So he's 24 wins. And then 11, 
plus eight. So 24 and 25 is his losing record. 24 and 25 is his losing record. And, and here, but here's the thing. You can say 24 and 25 is his losing record, but in reality, that 5 and 10 record ain't his. The 5 and 11? Oh. 5 and 11. It, you, you, no one really yep. counts the first year a coach yep. comes in and takes over a team and is trying to implement, you know, his, his – Game plan and it, it take yeah you it you, takes time to put in the system. Yeah, I'm with you. you you can't. So that's not his. You you know what I'm saying? You can't really attach that to him. That's mm -hmm. that's like saying you expect him to come in and 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 for one, we're talking about the Miami Dolphins. He didn't walk into no damn Cowboys. He wasn't at no Pittsburgh. This is not the Giants. This is not the, the Patriots. This is not none of them. This ain't San Fran. He walked into the damn Miami Dolphins. I mean, let, let's be. Name the last player you remember on the goddamn Miami Dolphins. Dan Marino. Now that's a damn shame. <laughs> I was paying attention to football. I, I mean, I'm not a huge football fan, but you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, Ted Ginn, uh, didn't Teddy Bridgewater or something play over there or some shit? I don't think so. Uh, maybe not him. Ted Ginn for sure played there. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, right. So, yeah. If he went 10 in anything with the goddamn Dolphins, he should have had a pay raise. Now, I, I do remember seeing something that they lost seven straight games this year or they lost six straight games this year and then turned it around and won seven straight. Listen. They ain't doing a goddamn thing. <laughs> but the point that – but to that point, it's – that bro's losing record is twenty is one game under five hundred over a three year period. And the first year ain't really. And by the way, they added an extra game into the season this year. He could very well be twenty four and twenty four if it wasn't for them adding a seventeen game this year in this season. So, I mean, but that that's what I'm saying. Like, so uh, he really ain't have a fair shake at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. and like I said, he, he he didn't get the hand of having the Rams with Jared Goff and any of them players. You know what I'm saying? He, I mean, it, I I could see if you were talking about a team, you know, in the last 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. 50 years did something. Right. You, you, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm being, you got to be realistic. Like, you know what I mean? That's, that's like saying, you know, um, <clears throat> the Wizards or the Bobcats or something finna be, you know, <laughs> Final four, ready to go. Right, right. I know. Hell, Jordan on the team and can't even make it to the damn playoffs. Stop it. <laughs> Y'all doing this man wrong. Like, I, I'm a little, I'm getting a little upset the more I think about it. <laughs> it. It don't take no rocket scientist to see that he, he being slated every way possible. Y'all ain't been trying to win. Y'all ain't been trying to do nothing, you know what I'm saying, of the sort. And, you know, you know, we have focused this conversation on, on Brian um, Flores, but, you know, there's a whole lot of talk about Eric Bieniemy, who's the offensive coordinator um, for the Buffalo – nope, 
for the Kansas City Chiefs. That offense has been ridiculous the last few years, and he can't get a job. Um, there's talk in Detroit. There's a come-to-Jesus uh, moment happening with Detroit. We fired Jim Caldwell, and Jim Caldwell has the best record of <laughs> any Lions coach in the last 50-some years. He has the best record of any. I think it's still. I think it's like a. I think he's seen he that game under five hundred or something like that, or like yeah, after I, game something like that because of a draw. But he a big name. You know what I'm saying? He he came from some good places. But also like how he it and also I mean, he, let's be honest. He took Indianapolis to a Super Bowl. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. But let's be honest. That's like. Detroit is like the 76ers with Allen Iverson. You can't bring Jim Caldwell and don't bring him him anybody. He got Matt Stafford and no threats. Yeah, Calvin Johnson. <laughs> listen. Hey, he don't disrespect Megatron. Listen, he is not finna turn water into wine. Listen. It, it, it's not finna happen. Like, that's what they be expecting. And then they, you know what I'm saying, go off and fire him, but they don't put no money into getting anybody. You know what I'm saying? They ain't trying to to really win. Like, that's how I felt about Tennessee for the longest. That's my squad, but I'd be like, why don't we go out and get nobody? We don't try to assemble a team, nothing. We just, we take what we get and we roll with it. Yeah. And, and listen, like, <clears throat> y'all know we basketball heads on this show. So, like, the NBA ain't no excuse. We had the Indiana, pa the Indiana Pacers had Nate McMillan on the coach, on, on the bench over there as the head coach. Um, they traded Paul George away for Victor Oladipo, and he turned Victor Oladipo into an all-star. If not for a bad uh, call, um, they would have beat Cleveland in the first round in 2018. LeBron wouldn't have made eight straight finals. He would have only made seven straight finals. Um, then Victor Oladipo gets hurt. Indiana has the third best record in the East. Uh, in 2019, until shortly before the trade deadline, uh, Victor Oladipo gets hurt, and they fall all the way down to the fifth seed before ultimately ultimately getting swept out the playoffs. And then in 2020, he has nothing. Victor Oladipo is still hurt. All his guys is hurt. They make it into the bubble. They make it to the playoffs. They get swept again. Nabit Miller gets fired. They go hire a new guy. The, the team hates him. Indiana misses the playoffs for the first time in like 10 years last year. Uh, the first time in like five years. But it was just bad. And then at the same time, um, he he goes to Atlanta to be the assistant coach there. The head coach in Atlanta, Lloyd Pierce, he gets fired. They elevate Nate McMillan <laughs> to, um, to the head coach. And then Atlanta makes the Easter Conference Finals. Yeah. It, it's no-brainer, but, you know, it, it's they it's they organization. And, they and, run it how they want to. And the sentiment is, is that while y'all come after these millionaire athletes, it's the billionaires that y'all don't know that are the ones that are making ridiculous money. All of these billionaires are white, except one man by the name of Michael Jordan who owns the Charlotte Hornets, right? Mm -hmm. The other 29... Uh, NBA teams, white, 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 right, all the way around. Uh, of the twenty of the thirty-two uh, NFL teams, uh, thirty-one of them are white. I believe um, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Nick Khan, Tony Khan, I forget his name. Khan, he's Indian, Arabic. I don't know exactly what it is. He ain't white. He ain't black. And I'm not trying to be racist, so y'all forgive me. The point is, he ain't white. But he's not black either, right? The point is, is that like these people, time and time again, appear to be hiring people um, that they look like, and it seems as though when you are black, you don't get the same grace as when you are white. We saw, and it seems like when it's black guys, they always get the jobs that are bad. One of my favorite basketball players of all time, Chauncey Billups. He gets the job in Portland. Not a good job to have. Dame is hurt. 
the roster is put together poorly. That organization, as it turns out, is in shambles. That's a, another story that we haven't talked about here. Um, well, because there's no data on it. Um, Steven Silas, who's the head coach of the Houston Rockets, um, he gets a job. And then as soon as he gets a job, Russell Westbrook's like, oh, I want to be traded. James Harden's like, yeah, I want to be traded. Um, the GM left. Yeah, it was just it's just terrible, right? But then you have other situations like a guy named Luke Walton. Luke Walton gets hired by the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, he's coming off the stench of the of the 73 and 9 uh, Golden State Warriors in 2016. He gets the head coaching job of the Los Angeles Lakers. He coaches that team for three seasons, two seasons without LeBron and one with LeBron. They don't make the playoffs. He gets fired. He gets immediately hired. Three straight years of not making the playoffs. Three straight years of losing records. He goes from getting fired to getting immediately hired by the Sacramento Kings. And guess what he did for the next two and a half years before he got fired again? Lose, lose, lose. (laughs) Nothing different. So, y'all know we know more about basketball than we do about football. But the point is, is that, like, It's it's the systemic racism. That's just the best way I, I can put it. And I mean, we'll see. Like I'm saying, I don't see with the data that's available now. I don't see how um, how Brian can win a, a football case, uh, a football case. How he can win a court case. But the court of law is not about uh, the truth. It's about what you can prove. If he can prove his claims. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think it's going to drag out to be real ugly, and it's going to be a whole lot of stuff that come out with this. Bill Belichick going to be under fire. About to be a new story. Tom Brady left before this hit the fan because they about to try to take back championships. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. Yeah, man, you know, I think that's where we're going to um, – I think that's a good spot for us to end it there. You know, obviously – as we always say here on What's Happening, y'all, this is we just having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but join in on the conversation. Let us know what y'all think about us. Hit Follow us on the socials at What's Happening. Um, you can uh, follow Fred at Mr.Humble underscore beginnings. You can follow me at Archbishop Swag. And um, remember, love is a verb. So if you like what we do, you know, tell a friend about us. Share out our social posts. Tell a friend, hey, you listen to the podcast. This podcast is dope. Help us to continue to grow the show. And um, we're going to be back with you next week. We got some good stuff coming up the rest of this month. But uh, love y'all. We appreciate y'all for rocking with us. And I'm back to just doing things the old way real quick. So if my audio isn't good here, it's just going to not be good. Um, But I'm at home. My router is literally... um, 20 feet away from me so like nah you perfect this time it ain't no feedback like I told you from the gate it was some feedback or something last time yeah but um I'm not putting no disclaimer at the beginning of this episode so if it don't work out I'm sorry y'all but I did my I did my level best this week but um we love y'all we appreciate y'all and we will see y'all next week peace